Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be among friends. But Lord, more than that, we're thankful to be in your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy, and we just receive your joy this morning. I sense your energy in the room. I sense your love here. You said in 1 John 4 that God is love, and Lord, we just receive that love this morning. Thank you that we have love for one another. That's how we know that we are disciples, and I just pray this morning over your word. I pray Colossians 1, 6, and 7, that fruit will be born from the very time this word enters our hearts, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you just say amen? Amen. The title of today's message, as you'll see on the screen, is Move Forward, Set Your Choices Ahead. I'm playing a little bit off spring forward because how many of you are secretly hoping for spring? We're in the middle of winter, dead of winter. And so it's a little bit of a play on spring forward. In the spring, you spring forward and you set your clocks ahead. So we're going to talk about this new year launching into 2019, move forward, set your choices ahead. It's a little cheesy, it's a little corny, but how many know it's just corny enough that you'll remember it, amen? Amen. It's as good as it's going to get. So we're going to talk about moving forward, and and as we look at the, the end of the year and the new year, it's a great time to analyze our commitments for 2018. It's a great time to uh, take inventory of the previous year to reflect. And and I'm not one who is big on New Year's resolutions because they make it about three days. I mean, I'm going to eat right and exercise on January 1st, and then you forget all about it on January 2nd. So I'm not into New Year's resolutions and things like that, but it is a great time to take inventory of what we accomplished. What did you promise yourself in 2018 that you would do? What did you set out to achieve? And and maybe what did you fall behind on a little bit? And this is what I put it in my notes. Some of you have made progress, but you're still in the process. Some of us, I've made progress in some areas, but I'm still in the process of getting to where God wants me to be. And honestly, some of us in the room may may look back and celebrate victories. We celebrate wins. But some of us can look back and we need to repent because the Holy Spirit asked us to do things and change things in 2018. And maybe we didn't follow through on that as we should. So today is a day that we're going to lay down that. We're going to lay down those, those victories that were good. We're going to lay down those failures and we're going to move forward. Turn to Jeremiah 29 if you got your Bibles. Jeremiah 29. This is probably so glad to have some of our ladies from the Teen Challenge Women's Ministry Center. Come on, encourage these ladies this morning. So glad you're here today. Appreciate what they do, helping women, changing lives. Some of you may use this verse. We're going to look at in a minute, Jeremiah 29 and 11. How many of you know that scripture? You could quote it. It's a very, very famous passage. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Good plans. But most people don't read verse 10, and they don't read verse 12, and they don't read verse 13, and they don't read verse 14. And they are so, this is like the total package. You know, it's, if you just read Jeremiah 29, 11, it's kind of like the wrapping paper on the box. But when you read verses 10 on down, even, even the chapter, but really through 14, it's like you're getting into the present, actually getting the gift that is inside of the present. I mean, you know, sometimes maybe you got a Christmas gift this year and you li- wish you had just got the wrapping paper. Anybody like that? You wish you had left it unopened. <laughs> okay, I'm the only one. Praise God. All right. Not from anybody here. Hallelujah. I didn't get any fruitcakes this year. That's a little disappointing. 
They make great paperweights, praise God. <laughs> My little daughter got a, a gift, and it had some candy in it. And it's, this person is so sweet and so nice, but they shop all year. You know, any, any all-year shoppers out there? Well, apparently they bought this last January, so all this stuff that it was expired. She's like, Dad, can I eat it? I was like, you might suddenly die if you eat that. <laughs> we better not, praise God. Jeremiah 29. Now, let me, give, let me set the table here for what we're about to see. Jeremiah's a prophet. He's not a very popular man. He has very few friends. He is called the weeping prophet. He is in, in Judah, and he's prophesying before and really in the middle and giving hope to where they're going to be taken captive by Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in and, and capture Judah. He's going to bring the people of God to exile. And the words that Jeremiah pens will bring hope and, and give light to a very dark time in, in the history of the people of God. So now this is for a specific people at a specific time. We're not the people of Judah. So this was written for them. But how many know God's promises extend to all generations? God's promises don't have an expiration date. We traveled, many of you traveled for Christmas and came home and realized maybe the milk was a little expired, maybe the cheese had expired. This promise to the people of God does not have an expiration date. It endures to all generations. So let's take a look and read. Jeremiah 29, 10. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I've promised. I felt this so strong in my heart as I began to prepare this message that this year, in 2019, many of you can look back and say, I've been in a, an exile period maybe with God. I've been in a dark period in my relationship with God. And I just sense in my heart the Lord saying to you, this is a promise. You should take it. You should put it in your pocket. And you should take it home. The Lord says, I will come and do for you all the good things that I've promised. Notice, and I will bring you home again. Verse 11. Here we go. We all know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not disaster, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Would you just look at your neighbor, your favorite neighbor, and tell him, you have a future and you have a hope. You have a future. Look at the other neighbor and say, hey, second choice, you didn't make the cut. I'm sorry. Now, let's go to verse 12. This is the part that most people skip. Verse 12. I love, the, I love this. This helps us with our 21 days of consecration. This helps us with our prayer emphasis. It says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. Hold this screen for just a minute. Let's say this together. In those days, ready? When you pray, I will listen. This jumped off the page, Josh, as I was studying this. This is what I felt in my heart. When you pray, I will. When you pray, I will. Well, why won't God do something? Why won't God make my life better? I've got all these promises out there. Why won't God make my 2019 better? If you pray, I will. That's worth coming for right there. I know many of you came for the biscuits in the back. Thank God for those. Appreciate Karen and Angie. But this was worth coming for. If you pray, I will. Verse 13, if you look to me wholeheartedly, we can't passively sit back and be an idol in our relationship with God and expect 2019 to be any better or any different than 2018. Your 2019 will not look any different than your 2018 if you don't change something in your heart, change something in your passion. That's why we start out the beginning of the year with 21 days of setting our mind and setting our focus on the Lord. 
Because it says, if you wholeheartedly seek me, you will find me. There's a promise. God may be uh, out playing hide and seek, but he's hiding so you can find him, not so you can't find him. You know what I'm talking about? My little kids are three, two, and four. And uh, Ava and Noah, they still kind of uh, play this. But we'll play in my house. We'll play hide and seek. We'll turn the lights off and we'll run. And, and Lillian counts like this. One, two, here I come. I mean, she doesn't know about counting to ten. And, and do you all do that in Malawi? Do you all do hide and seek? And Okay, you looked a little confused there. So maybe you all can play hide and seek with Meshach later if he's confused. But Lillian, Lillian counts like this. One, two. I mean, she's just, you know, she's my four-year-old. But I know when Tate, Tate counts, he's two and a half, and he goes, one, two, three. It's just like he's so cute in his little voice that he does, and he'll come running. He screams. You know, you're supposed to be quiet when you're trying to find people. He's like, ah! You know Tate is coming when he's chasing you. And I will just, I'll kind of sit in a recliner and put a little blanket over it, and I'll purposely leave my little leg out, leave my foot out, so Tate can, can find me. I'm hiding from him, but I'm not hiding from him so he can't find me. The things in God's word are called hidden treasures. The things in God's word are hidden for us to find and discover. That's why the Bible says, you will find me if you look for me with all of your heart. Verse 14, I will be found of you. I love this. I will, I will, I will. So many people are like, God is against this and God is against that. God's not going to do this. When I read the scriptures, I say, I will, I will listen. I will hear. I will help. I will, says the Lord, I will end your captivity and I will restore your fortunes. How many know that's good news? I'll make this year better than last year. I will gather you out of the nations and I will bring you home again to your land. So this morning I want to give you just a few marvelous mandates to move forward. I don't know how many we'll get to. only have 72 planned and aren't you glad for that? We'll do a few. I don't know how many we'll get to, but let's talk about some marvelous mandates to move forward. Number one, what you had is not as glorious as what you are going to. Let me say it again. What you had is not near as glorious as what you are going to. I want you to get this down in your heart. Get this down in your spirit. What you had, your former way of life, the former things, are not near as glorious. And I put that word in there intentionally glorious as what you are going to. Now, first and foremost, for a better future, for a better year, I'm going to step on some toes here just a little bit, but we have to learn to hate the sin. Can I have an amen? Are we still alive? We have to learn to hate the sin that held us back in 2018. Not just recognize that we had failures in 2018, not just recognize we had inconsistencies in our walk with God, not just regret that we had shortcomings, but I believe for us to move forward, we have to come to the place where we absolutely hate the thing that held us back in 2018. How many of you would agree the preacher's hand is up first? There were things in our life in 2018 that we did that held us back from where God wanted us to go. So we're going to talk about moving forward. Now, do you all remember the story of Lot's wife that we read in Genesis? She was trying to raise a family in a very uh, deprived city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Literally, she had to be drug out of the city. And I believe this is where the phrase kicking and screaming came along. So let's take a look at Lot's wife, and I want to show you some things this morning in Genesis 19. Genesis chapter 19. When Lot still hesitated, which blows my mind, 
This is crazy. The angels come and read the story. I don't have time to get into it. Read the story. They're saying, you've got to get out of the city. God is going to destroy the city. He's trying to save you and your family. And Lot still hesitated. Lot thought what he had was better than what he was going to. Notice this here as we continue to read. The angel seized his hand and seized the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them outside of the city for safety because the Lord was merciful. He had to rush them out of where they were to get to a better place. Now, verse 17, when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives. And don't look back. Somebody say that with me. Ready? Don't look back. This is key to this passage. Don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Don't stop. Get a cup of coffee. Don't stop by the donut shop. You keep running for your life. Do not look back. Now, let's jump down to verse 23 for time's sake. So Lot reached a village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Look in the next passage. Then the Lord rained down fire. He gave them a chance, gave them a span of mercy to repent, gave them a span of mercy to leave and, and get out of the city. The Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. You ought to read this whole story. It's so interesting. He utterly destroyed them along with all the other cities and villages in the plain, wiping out all the people in every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife, verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back as she followed by him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. How I many if you're if you're cooking chili or something like that? You know, pillar of salt might be handy, but for everyday life, it's not very good. Doesn't help you very much. Some of you are like, man, God must have been cranky that day. She, all she did was look back at her home, at everything she had known, and God must have been in a bad mood that day. Whew, turned into a pillar of salt. What's the problem? She was not turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back. She was turned into a pill, pillar of salt for two reasons. Number one, she disobeyed the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord said, don't look back, don't stop. Number two, there was something in her heart that longed for her past. There was a longing in her heart for what she had, the life that she had known. There was a, a lingering towards that. And when she looked back, it symbolized her heart was still there. And God said, in order for me to move you to a better, glorious future, you have to leave where you are. Now, if she had continued, if God had been merciful and let her live, even though she looked back, she could have said, well, I can just disobey the Lord any time. Look, I disobeyed God here. Nothing happened. And, and also, he would have allowed that root. There was a virus in her heart that was created and germinated in Sodom and Gomorrah. There was a virus deep in her heart. And if he'd allowed her to survive, she would have spread that infection to the rest of her family, possibly corrupted a whole other city. So God couldn't just let her live. So it wasn't just looking back like, oh, I, I miss my home. She looked back longing, I believe, for what Sodom and Gomorrah represented. And she didn't realize that what you had is not near as glorious as what you're going to. So don't look back. When we leave the sin that has held us back, what you're going to is so much more glorious than what you had. So I want you to get that down in your heart. Now let's look at number two, the second marvelous mandate to move forward. We, we have to know that it's worth the cost to leave things behind. It's worth the cost to move forward to what God has for us. Number two, let go of your past in order to receive God's new life. 
Let go of your past in order to receive God's new life. Jesus talked about this in Luke 17. Look what our Lord and Savior actually quoted here in Luke 17. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? Look at the next verse. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let go of your life, you will save it. God is asking you for an exchange today. He's asking you to give up your way of thinking. He's asking you to give up your way and your desires and your plans so that you can trade them for His. God has something better. What, you're, what you had is not near as glorious as what you're going to, but you have to let go of your life and yourself and your plans and ambitions to change them out for the life of Christ. Let's turn to Psalm 119. This is a scripture people quote, again, they quote Psalm 119, 105, and then they, they don't continue to read. So let's look at a few verses here. Psalm 119, 105, if you've got it, say amen. amen. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a guide to my feet and a light for my path. Verse 106, I promised it once. This is so powerful. I promised it once, and I'll promise it again. I can see the psalmist. He's kind of having a therapeutic repentance session. God, I made a vow one time, and obviously I've blown it, but now I'll make another vow. I made a New Year's resolution last year, but I fell off the wagon, but I'm not going to let breaking a vow, I'm not going to let breaking a commitment, I'm not going to let breaking a promise I made to the Lord stop me from promising again. He said, I promised it once, but I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. Say this with me out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I promised it once, but I'll promise it again. The problem is so many believers, when they're trying to walk with God, trying to leave the past life of sin, trying to do better in their Bible reading, trying to do better in their walk with God, trying to move forward, you get off the wagon, you take a step in the flesh, and instead of just getting back into the spirit, you feel guilty and condemned, and you just stay over here in the flesh, and it compounds over and over and over again. So when we make a step in the flesh, confess it, repent, and then get back in the spirit. Look at verse 107. Verse 107 says this. I have suffered much, O Lord. I made promises to you. I broke those promises. I got out of your will. My life is a mess partly because of my choices. Now, I understand every mess that comes our way is not because of choice. But in this instance, he's saying, I've suffered much. I've not obeyed your statutes. He says, but yet restore my life again as you've promised. Meaning you cannot outsend the promise of God. You cannot walk away so far that God's promise cannot reach you in a powerful way. So we need to desire more. We need to long for more in God. We need to long for more in our families. Look at this PowerPoint for life. This is, this is tremendous with this passage. This PowerPoint for life says it's okay to desire more. Just don't forget to enjoy the journey on the way there. It's okay to want better things for your family. It's okay to want a better job and a better home. And it's okay to want nicer things and, and greater ministries and greater influences and greater relationships. But don't forget to enjoy the journey on the way to greater things. Now, here's something I want to do this morning. If I could have some help. Meshach, if you would help me. And Brandon, if you would help me. I want us to do just a little exercise. If you could pass those out, give me one. Jared, can you turn the air on a little bit? It is a little roasty in here, or a fan or something. Pass those out. I want everybody to get one. 
Here's what I want us to do. Take just a second. This is going to help us in a tremendous way. Now, don't write anything down just yet. (coughs) What I want us to do, and there should be pens in the chairs. I want us to listen to these instructions very specific. I think the Lord has given me something very specific to do here. You can borrow your neighbor's pen if, if you're out. I want you to write down your dreams, your God dreams. Notice on the envelope, what does it say? My God dreams. Now, I would put your name on it, too, on the envelope, just in case you lose it, we can find you and get it to you. Let me give you some examples before you write down. So just just lock in with me for just a second. What are you believing God for in 2019? What is a dream that maybe God put in your heart in 2015, but yet you've not seen the realization of that dream? You've not made the progress towards that. Some goals that you want to accomplish with the help of the Holy Spirit. These are not New Year's resolutions. These are God dreams for your family. These are God dreams for you as an individual. Maybe it's to start the plan to get out of debt. Maybe for years, every year you say, come January 1, I'm going to get out of debt. And you fall right back into the spending habits. Maybe this year is the year with God's help that you start the process to get out of debt. Maybe you're believing God for a new vehicle. It's a need for your family. Maybe you're asking God to help you finally be able to witness to that coworker and finally be able to share your faith. Everybody have a little, little piece of paper and an envelope? Everybody have one? Sound guys, y'all have one. You can do one after if you need to. Maybe, maybe you want to commit every day to reading your Bible. Maybe that's something that's been in your heart. Maybe God challenged you in that 2018 and you didn't keep that commitment. Maybe there's some health challenges in your life. Maybe you've had chronic illness, and this is the year you believe in God for a miracle. This is the year you believe in God to restore your health. Maybe it's a commitment to eat right and exercise. Maybe God is speaking that to you for your health because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're addicted to some kind of substance in here. Maybe it's a tobacco substance, or maybe it's sugar. And maybe you're saying this year, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be free from this addiction. I'm going to be free from this bondage this year by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we're not just saying, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. What is God's dream for your family? Maybe you have a child who's away from the Lord. And this year you're believing God to help bring that child back. You want to see them in here among our church people, worshiping and praying and seeking God. Maybe you're believing God for a better employment, better job to help your finances. Write those down. I want you to take that home. You're not going to give it to me. Put it somewhere that matters to you. My family's going to be doing this, and we're going to be putting this where we put our income tax paperwork. And next year, I'm going to open that envelope that I've written down that I believe God is calling me to, the God-given dream in my heart for 2019. And I'm going to see how much progress I've made. Did God answer this or am I still in the process? Do me a favor when you get those in and ready. Hold it up. Hold it up high. I want to pray over them. Put the little piece of paper in the envelope. Father, I just pray over every dream in these envelopes. God, whatever it may be from family to employment to new ministry opportunities to new impact to new financial security to health to new relationships. God, we give these dreams back to you. We acknowledge, God, these are your dreams. You said if we delight ourselves in you, 
you would give us the desires of our heart. God, in this envelope contains the desires of, of your heart for me and my life. And Father, I just ask by your power and your will that you help accomplish these, that you bring these to pass. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. So keep that. Put your name on it. I'm going to put mine with my tax documents. And when I go next year to get them out and prepare, I'm going to get that envelope out. I'm going to read and I'm going to celebrate the things that God did this year. Number three, let past failures and regret, this is so helpful, fuel motivation for your destination. Don't let past failures and past mistakes hold you down and lock you down. Let them fuel motivation for your destination. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. So many times Satan will use mistakes of our past. Anybody in the house made mistakes in the house? Satan will use mistakes and past failures to hold us down, lock us down, won't let us move past those. So the apostle Paul talked about that. He was a Christian killer. He was on assignment. He was the number one uh, concerning zeal and, and fervency for killing and persecuting people of the way, people who were Christians. He had a lot of regrets. He had a lot of things that could have stopped him from moving forward. Paul said this. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. If the apostle Paul had not arrived, how I many you know there's hope for us? He said, I'm not saying that I've already achieved all these things. Or that I've already obtained perfection, but I press on. Somebody say, press on. Now, in the original Greek language, you can't see this in the English, but in the English, but it's the word dioko. And I don't say that to be fancy. I, I'm not a Greek scholar, but this really paints a picture to help us understand that word. He said, I press on, I dioko. It means to run as one fleeing for your life. It means to run as one trying to catch something. It literally means to flee as running for your safety. So when I look at Christians today, Pastor Rick, I don't see them pursuing the things of God as if they are running for their life. Well, I can stay home today from church, or I don't have to read my Bible today, or I can just be passive. I can take God. I can be a lukewarm Christian. Paul says, I am pressing on. In order to get past your past, you have to be serious about it. In order for your past to not hold you back like a weight, you have to press on. You have to run as one running for your life, running to safety. He says to possess, that means to seize, to overtake, to take hold of, to seize eagerly. So I press on. I'm passionate. I'm purposeful. To possess, to apprehend the perfection that Christ possessed for me. And that word perfection means maturity, means completeness. So in your life, with your future, Christ has already purchased the completeness, the fulfillment. He's already purchased what he wants to do in your life. But you must press in. You must possess. It's not going to happen automatically. Look at verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing. Say one thing. But I focus on this one thing. Here it is, forgetting the past and looking forward. Notice it's not just forgetting the past. Oh, I'm going to forget my past. It's not just turning from your past. You have to turn from your past and turn to something. You have to turn to Jesus. That's what this 21 days of consecration and prayer and fasting and seeking God is all about. 
He says, I, I am forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Look at your neighbor and just say, you have a bright future. Just tell him, you have a bright future. Now notice verse 14. Here it is again. I press Dioko as one passionately running for their life, running for safety to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. What was the past that Paul had to press on to forget? It was that he was a Christian killer. He was a persecutor of the church. Let me help you with a practical wisdom nugget. Look at this PowerPoint for life right here on the screen. Here's a practical nugget for wisdom. Learn to say no to the things that don't matter so you can say a greater yes to the things that do. That's so helpful. When we're going to move forward, learn to say no to the things that don't matter so you can say a greater yes to the things that do. Having problems in life doesn't make you special. Having problems in life, facing them and overcoming them, that makes you special. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. I understand life is not always fair, but God is always fair. And He will help us forget our past and help us move forward. But notice here, we have to look. We cannot let past failures and past regrets keep us from moving forward. Let it be motivation for your destination. Last one. We'll close with this one and let you go. Another mandate to move forward, number four, is don't just not look back, but focus ahead. This is going to help you right here. Hebrews 12, just a couple more scriptures, we'll let you go. Hebrews 12, this is so powerful in this revelation. It's in the Amplified Version. It's a little wordy, but it pulls some things out that will help everyone in the room move forward to your destination Remember Jeremiah 29:11, I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts of good, not of evil, thoughts of hope. Let's move forward to that plan. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, let us strip off and throw aside. Now I'm going to show you something here maybe you've never seen. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, and that is an unnecessary weight. And that sin. Somebody say that sin. So there's two things here that we should throw off. I hear people preach this. You need to lay aside the sins that are weighing you down. This doesn't say sins are weighing me down. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have many sins weighing me down. Can I have an amen? But there is a sin or two, or for some of you who are really still in progress, maybe three, maybe four, there is a that sin that weighs you down. But notice this here, Pastor Rick. He said every weight, every unnecessary weight. And I believe the Lord showed me something in a real powerful way. Not only is it that sin, whatever that is, that temptation. And, and do you know what sin is? Sin is not just murder. The Bible says in, in the book of James, I'm going I'm to mess you up today. You're going to wish you probably didn't come after I tell you this because now you know and you're accountable. The book of James says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. Growing up, I thought that's the only scripture my mother knew. <laughs> if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. Meaning if I know to go to church on Sundays, I know it's right. I know I need to be with God's people or whatever day you choose. And I don't do it to me. That is sin. I'm not talking about relativism and, and truth is different to every people. But if I know that it is right and godly to honor my wife... And how many know, I know that it is right and golly to honor my wife. And she said, amen, all the way back from the kids' class. I heard her. 
And I don't do that. Pastor Rick, to me, it is sin. If I know it is good and right to give and be generous when I withhold and I'm stingy, I'm not just being selfish, I'm actually sinning. Because to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So notice this here. Catch this now, ready? There is a that sin, but there's also an unnecessary weight. What is the unnecessary weight? This is what I was trying to get to. Are you ready? It's the guilt and condemnation of you falling to that sin. You fall into that sin over and over and over again. But maybe bitterness in your heart, maybe unforgiveness, maybe, maybe the regret of that sin, that past failure is an unnecessary weight. Meshach, can I borrow you for a minute? Do me a favor. Just, just take a little stroll across here. Just a little stroll. You're handsome today. Yeah, just, just, just a little stroll. I'm not going to trip you. Just, Isaiah, can I borrow you? Can I borrow you? Okay. Yeah, keep, sure. Keep good. This is your show, man. Whatever you want to do. I mean, okay, now turn around. Do me a favor. Would you just lay down and grab his leg? Would you just, yeah. Okay. All right. Now, come on. Just walk. Come on. What's the matter? What, what's changed? Oh, what is, no, keep going. Come on. No, come on. Okay, come on. Give these guys a hand. Man, that was so great. Thank you. Isaiah was an unnecessary weight. Can I have an amen? Now, there are certain weights that you put on to train. There are certain burdens that you bear in the kingdom of God that are necessary weights. Me being a pastor, committing my life to this, the weights of what I carry, responsibilities, and the weight of being disciplined in prayer, and the weight, it is all worth it. I'm putting on those weights for training. That's resistance in my spiritual walk. But what Isaiah was to Meshach was an unnecessary weight. And notice here, he was still making a little bit of progress, but was it a lot harder? It was, was it a lot slower? When you lay aside the unnecessary weight, whatever that is in your life, I think it's bitterness, guilt, can be condemnation from that sin. You can make a lot more progress a lot faster and a lot easier. Notice here, he says, it, that sin cleverly clings to us and it entangles us. You know what the problem with sin is? It entangles you. It's not that you have this or that. Sin has you. That's what the problem is with it. So it says, let us run. You can't run with that. Wait, Meshach, could you have taken off and ran with him? No. He says, let us run. Let us run with endurance and steady and, and active persistence to the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Last PowerPoint for life I'll show you here today is this. Actually, two more I'm going to show you. This one, dissatisfaction. Let's go to this next PowerPoint for life. Dissatisfaction. And discouragement are not caused by the absence of things, but they're caused by an absence of vision. Discouragement and dissatisfaction are not caused by the absence of stuff. It's caused by the absence of vision. So we're not just turning away. Now we're going to look to. Look at Hebrews 12, 2. Go back one scripture, Jared. Now look at Hebrews 12, 2 in connection with this point. Looking away from all that distracts and looking to Jesus. This is where I want to leave us today. I've preached for 30 minutes to get us here. Looking away from all that distracts so we can look, look to Jesus. He's the leader. He's the source, an, a source. Another translation says, remember this, he's the author and the finisher. Say author and finisher. Jesus is the source. He's the leader of our faith. And it goes on to say he'll bring us to perfection, bring us to 
maturity. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. If you cannot look past your failures and disappointments and your problems, you will never move forward to looking to Jesus. Get your eyes off your past. Get your eyes on Jesus. Let him give you vision for your future. Let him give you vision for your future. Look at this last PowerPoint for life. God is not obligated by, uh, to, God is obligated, let me say it again. God is obligated by an oath to finish what he starts. How many of you have ever heard in a little fight, well, I didn't start it, but I finished it. God is obligated by an oath, by his own word. He swore by himself to finish what he starts. Are you ready for this? But he is not obligated in any way to bless your mess. Meaning if God starts it, God authors it, he'll finish it. But he's not obligated for you to create a mess and then him to put his blessing on it. So let's find out what God is authoring. Let's find out what God is starting. That's what that envelope is for. That's what God is authoring in your life. And what he starts, Philippians 1.6. I am convinced. I am confident. I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Spend time with God every day so you are talking to the author of your life. Get his vision for your life every day. He knows the end of the story. You would do well to talk to him. He knows the end of the story. He knows the thoughts and the plans that he has for you. Lay down the weight. You're forgiven. Move on. The best is yet to come. We can move forward in the things of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day today. Thank you for this word. Thank you that you cause it to grow and bear fruit in every heart and in every mind. I bind every devil that would come and steal it in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For just a minute, let me talk to your heart. You may be in this house today and nobody moving around if you can, looking around just out of respect for the moment. Let me talk to your heart. I've been talking to the group. I've been talking to y'all. As, as Pastor Michael said, collectively. But now let me just talk to you directly. Maybe 2018, the Holy Spirit was calling you to give your life to Christ. Maybe in 2018, you were called to surrender, lay down, and move towards being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And maybe you rejected that, pushed that down. The, Bi the Bible is very clear that we are enemies of God until we become born again, until we receive Jesus and make Him our Lord and Savior. You can be a friend of God. You don't have to die an enemy of God. There is a real heaven and there's a real hell. And I don't want you to find out the hard way when it's too late. Right now, it's not too late. You can receive Jesus and have eternal life. You can have the life of God in you now and you can have eternal life forever with our Father. Please make that decision. You know Man, God's been calling me this year to surrender to Him, and I haven't taken that step. What a great day to make that declaration with all these brothers and sisters, all this family here today. What a great day to say, I, I want to follow Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor James, I need to make that decision today. Listen, I get it. I understand Romans teaches, chapter 3, that all have sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. None of us are good enough. But Romans 5 says, when I was at my worst, Jesus still died for me. God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day, paying for my penalty of sin. I no longer have to pay the penalty of my sin if I give it to Jesus. If you say, Pastor James, please, I want prayer today to receive Christ. Make him my Lord. On the count of three, just slip up your hand. Show, show heaven 
that you mean business. One, two, three. Anybody in the house, raise your hand. Let me see. Anybody say, I make that declaration today. I make that decision today. Just one more moment. Anybody need to make that stand today? Secondly, everybody still praying. You say, Pastor James, I want to move forward in 2019. I don't want the regret and guilt of my past to hold me down anymore. I want to move forward. Would you just slip up your hand? Anybody in the room say, that's me. I'm making a commitment to move forward. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I want to ask Pastor Michael to come and lead us in a prayer, a prayer of dedication. It's a great day to be a believer in Jesus. Amen. It's a great day to move forward. Don't forget to take your envelopes. Don't forget our wedding shower. Let's close our eyes for a minute and just have a, a time of prayer. Lord, we do. We come to you with hearts open. We thank you for the power of your word, God. We thank you that, uh, that you're making all things new. You're making all things new, Lord. You're meeting us right where we're at, in our mess, in our victories, in our valleys, in our mountaintops, God. And we can declare that you are faithful through it all. You are with us, and you will never leave us nor forsake us. So, God, we thank you that upon your promises we stand And from your promises that are yea and amen, that are yes, every one of them, Lord, we're going to see fulfilled as we speak them, as we declare them, as we stand upon them going into the new year, Lord. We just thank you, God. Just thank you for fresh starts. Would you repeat after me? Just say, dear God, open my heart to receive what you're saying to me today to have vision for my future and to walk in your plans fully. Thank you, God, for being faithful. It's in his name we pray. Amen and amen.